Hello, and welcome to the African American Hour. I'm Rosemary Alquay, bringing you readings from the following publications, The Voice, Blavity, Ebony, and the Associated Press. Today we'll begin with an article titled, College Board Revises AP Black Studies Class, Set to Launch in 2024, written by Cheyenne Murphy, Associated Press, December 6, 2023. The College Board on Wednesday released an updated framework for its new Advanced Placement African American Studies course, months after the nonprofit testing company came under intense scrutiny for engaging with conservative critics. The revision includes more material on topics, including the Tulsa Race Massacre, Black culture's influence on film and sports, and discriminatory practices related to housing known as redlining. The new framework will be used when the course officially launches next academic year. The course gained national attention early this year when Florida Governor Ron DeSantis, now a Republican presidential candidate, said he would ban the course in his state because it pushed a political agenda. The College Board later removed several topics from the exam, including Black Lives Matter, slavery reparations, and queer life, and was criticized for bowing to political pressure. The course outline includes written works about feminism and intersectionality, which is a framework for understanding the effects of overlapping systems of discrimination or disadvantage. A unit on the Black feminist movement, womanism, and intersectionality includes the 1977 Combahee, C-O-M-B-A-H-E-E, River Collective Statement by a group of black feminist lesbians who fought against capitalism, imperialism, and patriarchy. The College Board, a nonprofit testing company, had faced criticism last winter for removing intersectionality from this unit. The course framework also adds legacy by provocative poet and activist Amiri Baraka, A-M-I-R-I, B-A-R-A-K-A, as an optional resource in a section on Black arts, after Baraka was among several prominent Black voices removed last winter. Black female writers, including Bell Hooks and and Audrey Lorde, A-U-D-R-E-L-O-R-D-E, were also spotted in the latest revisions. Several sources that were required course content in the framework released in February were listed as optional in the latest revision, including an interactive map of the 1919 Red Summer Riots by white supremacists, a speech by Frederick Douglass, and writings between Malcolm X and Maya Angelou in Ghana. The College Board in April had said it would revise the course after the Florida controversy promising an unflinching encounter with the facts, an announcement that some scholars interpreted as an admission that it had watered down the course. However, the nonprofit did not add back every topic downgraded in last winter's update. The Black Lives Matter movement is still not included in the final AP exam, although it is mentioned along with other grassroots organizing examples and listed 
among sample topics schools could choose from for further discussion. There is a lot of content to cover, and that is because students have not been exposed to this. So it feels overwhelming at times that there is not a lot that they don't know, said Nelva Williamson, N-E-L-V-A-W-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-O-N, who is a member of the course's development committee and who teaches one pilot class of AP African American Studies to 31 students at Young Women's College Preparatory Academy in Houston. Williamson said those who teach the course are asked each month what is going well and what needs work. But then there's also this piece, what would you like to see? Williamson, who has been teaching for more than 40 years, said of piloting the AP course, the updates are based on teacher recommendations and changes coincide with the latest scholarship and resources used at the collegiate level. The advanced placement course provides students with the basics to understand the field of African American studies, but does not delve deeply into theoretical discussions that are more common at the college level, said Rashad Shabazz, S-H-A-B-A-Z-Z, a professor at Arizona State University, who teaches several courses related to race. I'm saying this because a lot of what conservative politicians have been trying to do is say what is happening in university is happening in high school. I'm saying this because a lot of what conservative politicians have been trying to do is say what is happening in a university is happening in a high school. And that's not the truth at all, he said. The College Board offers AP courses across the academic spectrum, including in math, science, social studies, foreign languages, and fine art. The courses are optional and taught at a college level. Students who score high enough on the final exam usually can earn course credit at their university. The AP African American Studies course was initially piloted in 60 schools in 2022 and was expanded this academic year to about 700 schools and about 13,000 students. The revised framework defines the course content, what students will see on the AP exam, and represents more than three years of rigorous development by nearly 300 African-American studies scholars, high school AP teachers, and experts within the AP program, the College Board said in a statement. Next year, the AP course will be available to all schools in the U.S., but it remains unclear how many will actually offer it. We are encouraged by the groundswell of interest in the class, said Holly Stepp, S-T-E-P-P, spokesperson for the College Board. This article was titled, College Board Revises AP Black Studies Class, set to launch in 2024, written by Cheyenne Murphy, Associated Press, December 6, 2023. Next, a special article from National Today titled Kwanzaa, December 26, 2023. Harry Za Kwanzaa, H-E-R-I-Z-A-K-W-A-N-Z-A-A. Kwanzaa celebrated from December 26 to January 1st and is an African-American and Pan-African seven-day cultural holiday 
that celebrates family and community. During the holiday, families celebrate with feasts, music, and dance, and end the holiday with a day dedicated to reflection and recommitment to the seven principles. History of Kwanzaa Professor and Chairman of Black Studies at California State University, Long Beach, Dr. Maulana Karenga, M-A-U-L-A-N-A-K-A-R-E-N-G-A, created Kwanzaa in 1966 in the midst of the Black Freedom Movement, reflecting concerns for cultural grounding in thought and practice. After the Watts Riots in L.A., Dr. Karanga looked for ways to strengthen the African-American community. He founded the U.S. organization, a cultural organization, and started to research African first fruit, harvest celebrations. Karanga combined aspects of several different harvest celebrations, such as those of the Ashanti, A-S-H-A-N-T-I, and those of the Zulu, to form the basis of Kwanzaa. The name Kwanzaa comes from the phrase Matunda Ya Kwanzaa, meaning first fruits in Swahili. Swahili is considered a Pan-African language and also happens to be the most widely spoken language in Africa. Basing the language of the holiday in Swahili represents unity throughout the African and Black communities. The first fruits celebrations are recorded in African history as far back as ancient Egypt and Nubia and appear in ancient and modern times in other classical African civilizations such as Ashanti land and Yoruba land. A-S-H-A-N-T-I-Y-O-R-U-B-A Kwanzaa developed as a flourishing branch of the African-American life and struggle as a recreated and expanded ancient tradition. It draws from the cultures of various African people and is celebrated by millions of African and African Americans throughout the nation. Each family celebrates Kwanzaa in their own way, but celebrations often include song and dance, African drums, storytelling, poetry readings, and a large traditional meal. On each of the seven nights, the family gathers and a child lights one of the candles on the kinara, then one of the seven principles called Nguzu Saba, N-G-U-Z-O-S-A-B-A, is discussed. These principles are values of African culture, which contribute to building and reinforcing community among African Americans. Kwanzaa Timeline 1966, the beginning of Kwanzaa. 1997, Dr. Karenga declares Kwanzaa as a non-religious celebration of family, community, and culture so that people will be able to celebrate both Christmas and Kwanzaa. 1992, Hallmark gets on Kwanzaa. The first Kwanzaa Hallmark card is sold. 2012, a widespread holiday. Public policy polling finds that 12.5 million Americans celebrate Kwanzaa. Five amazing facts about Kwanzaa. 4% of Americans celebrate it. A study from public policy polling found that 4% of Americans said they celebrate or primarily celebrate Kwanzaa 
during the holiday season, which is close to Hanukkah's 5%, but way less than the 90% who celebrate Christmas. Although 4% of Americans is still over 12.5 million people. Two, it has grown in popularity. Kwanzaa lasts for seven days. And since its inception in 1966, the holiday has grown in impact within the African-American community and is recognized as an official holiday. Other countries like Canada, Jamaica, and Brazil have gained interest in Kwanzaa, but don't celebrate it to the extent as America does. Three, $77 spent on gifts. The average amount spent on Kwanzaa gift shopping per person is about $77, and this is because only children received gifts for Kwanzaa, which usually consists of a book and a heritage symbol. Kwanzaa celebs. Celebrities who have been known to celebrate Kwanzaa every year include Oprah, Maya Angelou, Chuck D., Angelina Jolie, and Cynthia St. James, who designed the first Kwanzaa postage stamp. The colors of Kwanzaa. The colors of Kwanzaa are black for the people, red for the noble blood that unites all people of African ancestry, and green for the rich land of Africa. One of the most important Swahili words to know are the names of seven principles of Kwanzaa. Umoja, U-M-O-J-A, Unity, Kujichakagulia, K-U-J-I-C-H-A-G-U-L-I-A, Self-Determination, Ujima, U-J-I-M-A, Collective Work and Responsibility, Ujama, U-J-A-M-A-A, Cooperative Economics, Nia, N-I-A, Purpose, Kumba, K-U-U-M-B-A, Creativity, and Imani, I-M-A-N-I, Faith. This was a special article from National Today about Kwanzaa, December 26, 2023. The next article is titled, The Color Purple, Evolution, from Alice Walker's acclaimed novel to its musical film adaptation by Delania Dixon, D-E-L-A-I-N-A, Ebony, December 19, 2023. The new musical, The Color Purple, out on Christmas Day, promises to be one of the biggest blockbusters of the holiday season. It tells the story of Celie Harris, a young African-American girl who suffers an abusive childhood in Georgia in the early 1900s. Still, she rises, experiencing a rebirth into a strong, independent woman later in life. The new film stars Golden Globe nominees Fantasia Barino and Danielle Brooks, along with Coleman Domingo, Taraji P. Henson, and Corey Hawkins. Based on the acclaimed novel by Alice Walker, The Color Purple has been celebrated by many different genres. Here is the evolution from book to movie to musical and back to the big screen. The Color Purple, the novel. Published in 1982, Walker's groundbreaking work chronicles the life of Celie, who suffered physical and mental abuse as a child in the early 20th century. Forced into an abusive marriage, she finally breaks free after connecting with other women, headstrong Sophia and bold performer Shug Avery. Celie's journey is unveiled through her candid letters to God, 
giving readers an intimate glance into her inner thoughts and emotions. Walker's novel won the 1983 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction and the National Book Awards for Fiction. The Color Purple, the film. The first movie adaptation of The Color Purple was released in 1985, starring an all-star cast that includes Whoopi Goldberg as Celie, Oprah Winfrey as Sophia, Danny Glover as Albert, Celie's abusive husband, Margaret Avery and Ray Dawn Chong. The film gave imagery to the domestic violence, poverty, racism, and sexism black women have often endured. Directed by Steven Spielberg and featuring a score by Quincy Jones, the movie received 11 Academy Award nominations and four Golden Globe Award nods, with Goldberg winning Best Actress in Drama. The Color Purple, the musical. Oprah Winfrey returned to her Color Purple roots to co-produce a musical version of the novel, which made its Broadway debut in 2005. With music and lyrics by Brenda Russell, Ailey Willis, and Stephen Bray, B-R-A-Y, the original Broadway cast included Lachanze as Seely, Brandon Victor Dixon as Harpo, and Renee Elise Goldsberry as Nettie. Barino, who stars as Seely in the new musical movie, made her Broadway debut in the role. During its revival in 2015, Jennifer Hudson made her Broadway debut playing Shug, and Brooks starred as Sophia, a role she reprises in the new musical film. Cynthia Erivo, E-R-I-V-O, won the 2016 Tony Award for Best Actress in a Musical for her portrayal of Celie. The production won the 2016 Tony Award for Best Revival of a Musical. This article was titled The Color Purple Evolution, from Alice Walker's acclaimed novel to its musical film adaptation. Written by Delania Dixon, December 19th, 2023. The next article is titled Ayo Adebiri, A-Y-O-E-D-E-B-I-R-I, Adebiri, and the Wrong Kind of Black Girl Discourse, written by Taylor Adigun, T-A-Y-L-E-R-A-D-I-G-U-N, Blavity, December 7th, 2023. It is undoubtedly the year of Ayo Edebiri, from a second season Emmy nomination for her role as Sydney Adamu, A-D-A-M-U, on Hulu's culinary dramedy, The Bear, to her portrayal of Josie in the satirical coming-of-age teen comedy, Bottoms. There was ne'er a red carpet, premiere, or screen, untouched by Edebiri's presence and I'd like to think we're all the better for it. Outside her fictional kitchen garbs, the 28-year-old star has been pulling off look after look with zero hesitation. A Tom Brown muse, if we've ever seen one, as the three-time CFDA Men's Designer of the Year Award winner, has been a major weapon in her satirical arsenal. Brown has styled a debris, 
for numerous shots and premieres, and even made a cameo at the end of the Bears' second season. Series protagonist and head chef Carmi gifts Adebri's character a pair of embroidered Tom Brown chef's whites. Perhaps one of the most solidifying moments of the pair's relationship was Adebri's front row placement at Brown's first couture show. Seeing two powerhouse creatives share a first, Adebri says the event was her first fashion show, offered an appreciated moment of connection in the pair's vastly different career timelines. Despite earning the metaphorical stamp whisk of approval from one of the biggest names in contemporary fashion, though social media has not been as kind regarding Adebri's drapings. Ayo is very pretty, but I need her to get some black friends. I was always trying to figure out why she looks like that. It's because her friends are white, read one tweet. Succinctly, Adebri is far from the only black woman to meet this fate, as these critiques come into play when any black woman decides to step out of the pre-approved aesthetics boxes of how a black woman should dress or present. Presently, though, it nearly seems redundant to have to explain that black women in any arena are not a monolith. But when such conversations arise, it does give way to disillusions regarding how far we have or have not, as current events suggest, come into divesting from stylish stereotypes. This typecasting, no matter how elegantly worded, well-intentioned, or perfectly sandwiched between buffer compliments, stifles creativity and places unseemingly limitations on one of the few creative vessels accessible to us. Collective realization that expressions of style can and should vary from person to person. Yes, Chef. This article is titled, Ayo Adebiri and the Wrong Kind of Black Girl's Discourse by Taylor Adigun, Blavity, December 7th, 2023. The next article is titled, Jets Solomon Thomas is Driven by the Memory of His Sister and an Ever-Present Call to Help People by the Associated Press, December 16th, 2023, Florham Park, New Jersey. Solomon Thomas was lost, stuck in a dark place mentally, while desperately trying to overcome the anxiety, depression, and sadness that gnawed at him. He needed help. He wasn't sure if he could overcome it all, and he didn't know where to turn. Thomas's older sister, Ella, died by suicide in January 2018 at 24 years old after dealing with her own mental health issues. Thomas, who had just completed his rookie NFL season with San Francisco, grieved with his family, but those dire thoughts never left his mind until he started talking about them. Long chats with therapists helped him and his family move forward. So did a few media interviews, which resulted in the surprising realization that he was not alone. There is a stigma about suicide and mental health, said the 28-year-old Thomas in his second season with the New York Jets. We started to speak and started telling Ella's story, and we started helping people. We saw the impact of just talking about it. About a year later, when I found myself again, went to therapy, and was mentally healthy-ish, I was able to understand, hey, this helped me heal, but also helped me understand the world better, people better, and myself better. 
Their personal tragedy resulted in Thomas and his parents, Martha and Chris, creating the Defense Line in 2021, a nonprofit focused on raising awareness of youth suicide and trying to end it by encouraging communication and education about mental health. I saw the space that needed so much attention and so much support that wasn't getting it, Thomas said. So it's just been a mission and a passion of mine. He tells anyone struggling with their mental health to hold on and keep pushing because they are not alone. There are people who love you and who want you here, Thomas said. But also, they have to understand it's okay not to be okay. Thomas, who has a career-high four sacks this season, is the Jets' nominee for the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award, which honors a player's commitment to philanthropy and impacting their community for the second straight year. Solly's always got a smile on his face. Jets' edge runner Jermaine Johnson said, His stance in the community definitely gives me something to strive for because it reminds you it's not all about wins and losses all the time. Last Monday night, Thomas received the Heisman Humanitarian Award for his work with the defense line. Thomas spent the next night with several teammates, treating 25 students to a shopping spree at a sporting goods store. There are a lot of people struggling in this world, and I truly believe that you don't live this life for yourself, Thomas said. There's so much more to this life than yourself, and so much more to why we're here on this earth. He also recently met Chelsea Clinton to discuss mental health issues. Thomas regularly collaborates with several other charities throughout the year, heeding an always present call to help. He's an amazing example of how to treat people first and foremost. Defense tackle Quinnen Williams said, he finds a way to change somebody's life every single day. And man, that's an inspiration to me. Thomas said the importance of service was instilled in him at a young age while growing up in Texas, where he and his family often donated their time to homeless shelters. I grew up very fortunate, Thomas said. My parents always had food on the table. We had a nice house. But my parents made sure we understood, hey, this is not normal. We have a good life, but not everyone has that. Thomas carried that with him to Stanford, where he was number three overall pick by the 49ers in the 2017 draft. He had three sacks as a rookie, but never truly lived up to expectations. And a knee injury cut short his fourth season in San Francisco. After one year with Las Vegas, Thomas signed as a free agent with the Jets in 2022. He was a productive backup in New York and resigned last offseason. When we had the opportunity to get him, he stands for everything you want, said Jets coach Robert Saleh, who was the 49ers defensive coordinator when Thomas was there. He's an unbelievable human off the field. He's unbelievable on the field. Thomas still speaks to a therapist once every two weeks or so, likening it to having a coach or mentor for his emotions. Sometimes it's just to vent, others to learn more about himself, and other times it's making sure he's using the right coping techniques if he feels his mind wandering into that dark place. Everything I've gone through has led me here, my seventh year in the NFL, really finding myself, loving myself, and believing in myself, Thomas said. And that took a while to do. But it's been a really cool journey. 
I don't really regret anything. The only thing I wish is that my sister was still here. But through it all, I've been able to find myself and understand who I am. And the more I've understood who Solomon Thomas was outside the game, the better I have become in the game. So it's something I've learned and something I preach to the guys around me. This article is titled, Jets Solomon Thomas is Driven by the Memory of His Sister and an Ever-Present Call to Help People by the Associated Press, December 16th, 2023. Next, another article about the color purple from The Griot titled, Finding New Dimensions, Sisterhood, and Healing in the Color Purple by the Associated Press, December 24th, 2023. It's not a secret that Fantasia Barino, B-A-R-R-I-N-O, did not want to play Sealy again. The American Idol winner hadn't had the best time doing the color purple on Broadway. The protagonist of Alice Walker's Pulitzer Prize winning novel tells her story of sexual, physical, and psychological abuses in the early 20th century South in a series of letters to God. And it was a character she found it difficult to leave behind at the end of the day. Even the prospect of starring in her first major motion picture didn't seem worth it. But director Blitz Bazawule, B-L-I-T-Z-B-A-Z-A-W-U-L-E, had a different vision. He wanted to give Seely an imagination. This Barino found intriguing. Once she understood the assignment, she quickly agreed, Bazawule said in a recent interview with the Associated Press. Now, four decades after The Color Purple became a literary sensation and a Steven Spielberg film, the story is on the big screen again. This time, it's a grand big budget Warner Brothers musical starring Barino Taraji P. Henson as the sultry singer, Shug Avery and Danielle Brooks, reprising her Broadway role as the strong-willed Sophia. I'm glad that I didn't allow my fear of my past experience with Seely, because of where my life was at the time, to hinder me from doing something that is great, Barino said. Oprah Winfrey is one of the several big-name producers on The Color Purple, alongside Spielberg, Quincy Jones, and Scott Sanders. Winfrey got her acting break and first Oscar nomination, playing Sophia in the 1985 adaptation, before helping Sanders turn it into a Broadway musical 20 years later. Bazawule was not an obvious candidate to direct this film, however. The multi-hyphenate Ghanaian artist had received acclaim and recognition for co-directing Beyonce's visual album, Black is King. The only other film he had under his belt was the micro-budget The Burial of Kojo, K-O-J-O, which was made for less than 100000 But he had ambitious ideas involving large-scale musical numbers that would take audiences on a dazzling journey through the history of black music in America, from gospel to blues to jazz. And of course, Seely's inner life. He wasn't at all sure he would get it, but he knew the story he wanted to tell. I thought if I could just find a way to show the audience how this black woman from the rural South was able to imagine her way out of pain and trauma, it will debunk a myth that people who have dealt with abusing trauma are docile and passive or waiting to be saved, Bazawule said. If we could just imbue in Sealy that scale, then that's the version that needed to exist. Thankfully, they said yes. 
They would have to jump through some hoops, however, to secure the kind of budget, reportedly around $100 million, that they needed to support the vision, including auditioning Henson, an Oscar-nominated actor, and Brooks, who already had a Tony nomination for her portrayal of Sophia. We were not the studio's choices, Henson said. I just felt some way about having to audition. I'm Academy Award nominated. I had just finished singing on NBC's Annie Live, but I checked my ego and I did it. I went in as shook. I found a dress, had a flower in my hair, and faux fur stole. And I kicked the door down because I didn't want them to ever second-guess me again. For Brooks, it was a six-month process that had her doubting herself. A lot of people involved in The Color Purple felt that the exhaustion of having to prove themselves yet again but also wanting to rise to the challenge nonetheless, because this film was worth it. This was a huge undertaking to be part of, said Brooks. The movie is about legacy, and it's what I've been calling a cinematic heirloom. Her Broadway production was very minimal and stripped down, so to be on location in Georgia around Macon, Savannah, Atlanta, and a small town of Grant was revelatory. My world really opened up because I got to use all my senses, Brooks said. I got to explore all of Sophia because now I have a juke joint and I have a dinner table. I have a house. We had a white mob attacking me. The juke joint was a real set that required a real swamp to be dredged where they staged Shug's showstopper, push that button. It's probably the perfect confluence of my amazing technical and creative teams, Bazawule said. The film gives a new boldness to Celie and Shug's relationship with one another and more dimensions to the male characters, including Coleman Domingo's Mr. And all carry the weight of responsibility, not only to the material and its, and its predecessors, but also to future films made with primarily black casts at this level. It's not the first time I have been in a production of this scale, but what matters to me is that it's a black production, and it's a production with a black producer, a black director, predominantly black cast, Henson said. It's like usually we're supposed to make a dollar out of 15 cents, and after 20 plus in the game, it's like finally the studio trusted us to deliver. The question of awards is a loaded one. Though the color purple has all the makings of a big Oscar contender, Barino and Brooks have already been nominated for Golden Globes, it comes with history. Spielberg's film was nominated for 11 Oscars and infamously won none. And then there's the even stickier subject of black women and Hollywood awards. Halle Berry remains the only black Best Actress Oscar winner. Bazawule is not particularly interested in the dog and pony show of awards season. It's hard for him to fathom how anyone can pit one film against another, but he does understand that there are real gains in earning potential and creative freedom that happens if his actors, especially the women, get nominated and win. Our job was to go in and honor Alice Walker's brilliant book. We did that. We found our healing through it, and we're an amazing group together. Our Q's and A's are out of this world, he said, before taking a pause. Now that I want an award for. All seem to agree that what they experienced is bigger than any validation from an award. There's something magical about this story, Brooks said. It really does tamper with your heart in the best way. It opens it up, 
I've never experienced anything like what I've experienced during the journey of working on the color purple. This article is titled, Finding Dimensions, Sisterhood, and Healing in the Color Purple, by the Associated Press, December 24th, 2023. Next, an article from Ebony, titled, Davido on His First Grammy Nominations and Today's Afrobeat Culture, by Josh Baker, Ebony, December 26, 2023. Davido, or Davido, or Davido, born David Adedeji, Adedeke, A-D-E-D-E-J-I, A-D-E-L-E-K-E, and known as one of the most prominent figures in the Afrobeat and Afropop music scenes, has made an impact with his catchy tunes and energetic performances. Rising to fame with his debut single, Damiduro, D-A-M-I-D-U-R-O, in 2011, he has since become a global music sensation, praised for his distinctive voice, charisma, and contributions to the fusion of African and international music styles. Davido has songs known to get the party started, from Unavailable to Fall and If and More. Beyond his musical success, Davido is also recognized for his philanthropy and entrepreneurial ventures, solidifying his status as the cultural icon he is today. In an exclusive interview, Davido engages in a conversation with Ebony about Afrobeat culture and reflecting on the groundbreaking moment of receiving three Grammy nominations. As a pioneer in the genre and often hailed as the king of Afrobeat, Davido shares his thoughts on the cultural impact of African music and its global reception. Ebony, how has the experience of returning to your home country to represent its culture before coming back to the United States contributed to the growth of your artistic abilities over the years? Davido, music is a universal language, first of all, but I'm being influenced a lot by my African culture, but I try to infuse all types of music in my music. If you listen to it, it's all African and stuff, but different styles. I grew up listening to R&B, I was a big Usher fan, I used to listen to rap, so I feel like it all influenced me in a way. And even though I ended up doing Afro-African music, I feel like every genre has influenced me. Ebony, how do you feel about the current reception that Afrobeat has been getting worldwide over the past years? To be honest, I always knew back home. Even back when I was in college, I used to play African music for my American friends, and they loved it. I always knew that if they ever got an opportunity to listen to African music, they would like it. We have social media now, and it's easier to find stuff. It's easier to connect the two cultures. The two cultures are the Western culture and the African culture. So I feel like Afrobeat is that bridge right now that's really bridging the gap between the two cultures and bringing both cultures together. Let's talk about Timeless. Biggest African album in Apple history. What's the difference between calling certain records African music compared to other genres, like high life, Igbo music, Afrobeat, and dancehall? That's the thing. Afrobeat right now is a general term used to describe African music. For example, we got rappers back home in Nigeria that do hip hop. You'll be like, oh, they're from Nigeria. When they come out, they're still going to say they're Afrobeat artists. I don't think it's a kind of music. I think it's a general term now that they use to describe us African musicians. I don't think it's a type of sound, but originally Afrobeat is a type of sound of African music. 
Afrobeat is a sound that Fela started. Fela Kuti. F-E-L-A-K-U-T-I. It's a certain type of music. But then, in the UK, when I think Dibanji, D-B-A-N-J, had Oliver Twist going on, they were looking for a term to describe African music. And they just went with Afrobeat. And I'm not mad at it, to be honest. Unavailable has taken over the airways and social media. Did you expect the dance to become such a viral moment online, even at parties? Oh, when I made the record, I've been doing this for a while. So when I'm making an album now, I'm intentional. Definitely, I really wanted to make good music. But I also wanted one or two records to be like commercial records. You always need that commercial record to catch everybody's attention. Whichever way you call it. When we made Unavailable, I wanted people to feel unreachable. You want to feel like any song that makes you feel like you're wanted or that makes you feel special. Yeah, so that was kind of the vibe me and the producer were going for. And then we shot the video. There was nothing planned, and then a dancer came like, oh, she has this idea for the dance. I'm not a dancing type of person, so I I was kind of reluctant. But I was like, let's try it. And then we did it. Then it went crazy. It's crazy because every time it comes on at a party, the whole energy changes. It went crazy, and it's also amazing to just see a young girl from South Africa do a dance at my video shoot, and then it just blows all over the world. That's just like the power of social media. All these things like TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram are toots that connect us. You can go online now, go on YouTube or whatever, and the type of African dances, and type in African Dances 2024. African Dances 2023. You see Beyonce on the Renaissance Tour doing some African dances. She probably saw it on the internet. It's a good time for not only music, it's a good time for the culture as a whole. I'm talking about food. You walk around New York, you walk around Atlanta. African restaurants are everywhere. I'm talking about clubs and African parties. It's crazy. You have the big venues now giving us opportunities to perform and do our tours there. You've got big companies like Live Nation doing collaborations with African promoters and bringing young African artists over here to perform and do tours. I mean, the list goes on. How does it feel to be recognized as a Grammy-nominated artist, having received three nominations? Crazy, man. It's my 12th year with four albums in. Yeah, and it's crazy because not to play my other albums... But it just showed me, like, this last album when we were making it, I was like, yo, we gotta lock it in. I can't mess around with this one. The music has always been there for me, but it comes to other things being intentional about the culture, and it just made a difference. For the past two years, we always tuned into the Grammy live stream to see, because you don't know the Grammy. The label will always say, just watch it in case. So I was just chilling in the crib. I'm not trying to watch it for real, because I got anxiety. I'm not watching, and my wife comes in like, oh, three. I'm like, three what? Like, three nominations. I'm like, what? My manager called me like, yo, we got three. My dad called me, and then social media was just going crazy. From back home, a lot of people have been supporting me to be nominated for a Grammy because they know how much work I've put in for the culture and just for global music as a whole. Some people do way better than me and never got nominated, and never even got recognized. So I'm just grateful to God to be alive and called now a Grammy-nominated artist. In what way do you think this recognition impacts your career and the music industry at large? I'd be lying saying it's not a great thing for us. It's not a game-changer. This is the biggest accolade in music ever, so it feels good not only for me, it feels good for everybody who was on the project. They automatically become 
Grammy nominees as well. It's good having your work bless other people. I'm talking about not only the artists that are featured, I'm talking about the producers, the engineers, to the people who worked on the creative directions, so it's dope. How does it feel to be often referred as the king of your genre? Do you see this title as a source of inspiration or added pressure in your artistic journey? We worked hard, man, 12, 13 years selling the gospel. I wouldn't say they're lying, but there are other key players in the game that have been pushing the culture even before I came in. I'm just happy that our music is being recognized as a whole. I'm not really into individual praise. I'd rather all of us be praised. Everybody is a king in their own way. Definitely, we're at the top doing our thing, and we just thank God for keeping us on our feet. Keeping everybody happy for this long, and we're just about to get started. 2024, we do Madison Square Garden. This article was titled, Davido on His First Grammy Nominations and Today's Afrobeat Culture by Josh Baker, Ebony, December 26, 2023. The next article is titled, This Philadelphia Entrepreneur Started a Black Women-Owned Charcuterie Business After Annual Diner en Blanc Event Written by Jahuria Mitchell J-A-H-A-U-R-A Blavity December 19, 2023 The COVID-19 pandemic inspired many Black Americans to go into business for themselves. For Robin Baxter, it pushed her to launch a Black women-owned charcuterie business after attending Diner en Blanc in Philadelphia. Francois Pasqueur, F-R-A-N-C-O-I-S-P-A-S-Q-U-I-E-R, and several friends started Le Diner en Blanc in Paris in 1988. Since then, the annual event has become a trend worldwide as thousands look forward to dressing in all white and dining with one another at a secret location dropped at the last minute, according to the website. Baxter told CBS Philadelphia that she had attended Diner en Blanc for several years, but the event after the pandemic inspired her to become a business owner. It all started right after the pandemic with Diner en Blanc, Baxter said. I had been attending for six years, and every year I showed up with a board. And every year someone stopped at my table and asked, where did you get this board from? With that spark of creativity, she started her artisan business, Julux Charcuterie. J-L-U-X-C-H-A-R-C-U-T-E-R-I-E. On Friday, she appeared on Shop Black Business Friday, a weekly segment highlighting different black-owned companies every week in December. The city council passed a resolution earlier this month and declared Shop Black Business Friday an initiative to support diversity in citywide business. While Baxter has only been in business for three years, she insists other black-owned businesses helped Jalux Charcuterie succeed. We've had the opportunity to network with several other black-owned businesses who have been tremendous in helping us get our foot out there, Baxter said, according to CBS. During the segment, she displayed the board, The Gang is All Here, which has become an instant favorite among customers. It contains three premium meats and a variety of artisan cheeses paired with fruits and nuts. Baxter has been booked with orders this holiday season, with the custom-made grazing tables ranging from $800 to 1200 
She also offers beginner classes for those interested in doing the charcuterie boards at home. Our beginning classes introduce you to what charcuterie is, Baxter said. This article is titled, The Philadelphia Entrepreneur Started a Black Women-Owned Charcuterie Business After Annual Diner en Blanc Event by Jahuria Mitchell, Blavity, December 19, 2023. The next article is from The Voice, titled Itchy Scalp, Eight Common Causes and How to Find Relief, from The Voice News Service, December 28, 2023, by Cleveland Clinic Medical News Service. Cartoons tell us that scratching your head means you're thinking really hard or having a great idea, but in real life, having a consistently itchy scalp can indicate that you're dealing with a health condition. Before you can stop the itch, you need to find out what's causing it. But how? Dermatologist Melissa Piliang, P-I-L-I-A-N-G, M-D, explains common causes and treatments for itchy scalp. Eight common causes of an itchy scalp. Unfortunately, there's no single straightforward answer to why your scalp is so freaking itchy. There are multiple reasons you could be experiencing this, sometimes excruciating feeling. Dr. Piliang outlined some of the possible causes, so you can start to figure out what might be behind your itch. 1. Reaction to a hair product. You could have an itchy scalp because you're having a bad reaction to something you're putting in your hair, like dye. Contact Dermatitis is a rash that happens when your skin comes into contact with something that irritates it or that you're allergic to. A common offender is paraphenylenediamine, P-A-R-A-P-H-E-N-Y-L-E-N-E-D-I-A-M-I-N-E, a chemical found in dark hair dyes and henna. But other products could be the source of your contact dermatitis too. What to do? Allergic reactions will generally go away on their own if you can identify and avoid the chemical to which you are allergic. Dr. P. Liang says, this can be challenging to do on your own, so you may need to do specialized tests in a dermatologist's office to sort out the cause of your allergy. Number two, seborrheic dermatitis, S-E-B-O-R-R-H-E-I-C. The most common cause of an itchy scalp is seborrheic dermatitis, a skin condition that causes dandruff. It's your body's inflammatory response to an overgrowth of yeast. This causes itching and flaking, Dr. Piliang explains. Yeast normally lives on the scalp and other hairy areas of the body, but the problem arises when there's too much yeast present. What to do? For mild cases, try an over-the-counter shampoo that contains selenium or zinc pyrithione. P-Y-R-I-T-H-I-O-N-E. These ingredients help control yeast. But for serious cases, you may need to see a healthcare provider for a prescription strength antifungal shampoo, topical cortisone, or medicated foam solution, cream, or ointment. Number three, hives. If you've ever broken out in hives, say on your face, chest, or arms, you know how itchy and unpleasant they can be. They can occur on your scalp too. What to do? Hives often go away on their own pretty quickly, but if they don't go away or you get them often, it's time to see a dermatologist. Psoriasis, P-S-O-R-I-A-S-I-S. Scalp 
osteoporosis is a chronic autoimmune disease that causes raised reddish scalpy patches on your scalp. These are called plaques. Experts don't have a clear understanding of what exactly causes this skin disorder, but you're more likely to develop it if someone in your family has it. But you can't catch psoriasis from other people. What to do? Medicated shampoos that have coal tar or Salicylic acid, S-A-L-I-C-Y-L-I-C, can help keep scalp psoriasis under control. Dr. Piliang says, if those don't work, make an appointment with a dermatologist who can prescribe stronger shampoos and topical cortisone. 5. Ringworm, also known as tinea capitis, T-I-N-E-A-C-A-P-I-T-I-S. Scalp ringworm is a fungal infection that can infect the scalp. It extends deep into the hair follicle, causing round patches of hair loss that get bigger over time. The rash may appear raised and with black dots or have a stubbly appearance. What to do? When you have a ringworm infection of the skin, you can use an over-the-counter OTC antifungal formulation to get rid of it. But that's not the case when you have ringworm of the scalp. Because the organism exists deep in the hair follicles, you'll need to take oral antifungal medications to resolve the problem, explains Dr. Piliang. But your doctor will want to verify that this is actually what's causing the problem before they prescribe this type of powerful medication. 6. Head lice. These tiny insects can invade anyone's scalp, not just children's, and they actually prefer to live in a clean hair contrary to the popular assumption that having head lice is the result of poor hygiene. If you look closely, you can see tiny knits, eggs, attached to individual hair strands. They look a little bit like dandruff, but they aren't easily shaken off because they're glued to the hair shaft. Adult lice move around the head, but they're harder to spot than knits. What to do? Start by looking for over-the-counter shampoos that contain pyrethrin, P-Y-R-E-T-H-R-I-N, or Permethrin, P-E-R-M-E-T-H-R-I-N. These work well, but only if you use them as directed. Each head lice shampoo formula has its treatments protocol. Dr. Piliang states, you must follow the instructions on the box exactly to get rid of the lice. If the shampoo doesn't work, it's time to ask for a dermatologist's help. Don't use any type of chemicals to try to loosen the nits and skip home remedies like mayonnaise, olive oil, and petroleum jelly. They don't work and can cause further damage. Acne. Yep, you can get acne and pimples on your scalp. Ouch! They can be painful, but they can also cause itchiness. Pimples on your scalp can have some of the same causes as pimple on the rest of your body, including sweat and body products. What to do? You may be able to prevent this issue moving forward by using different hair products, washing your hair more often, especially after you've gotten sweaty, Avoid tight-fitting hats or headbands. If none of these tips help, talk to a dermatologist about other options, including prescription topical or oral medicine, Dr. Piliang advises. Number 8. Atopic Dermatitis, A-T-O-P-I-C. Atopic Dermatitis is the most common type of eczema. It's a chronic condition that causes itchy, dry, scaly skin and can affect any part of your body, including your scalp. Periods of itchiness and rash may come and go throughout your life. The itchiness associated with atopic dermatitis can be so severe that it interferes with school, work, and sleep, Dr. Piliang says. Because it's a lifelong condition that often appears in childhood, it's unlikely to appear for the first time 
in the form of an itchy scalp. But late-onset eczema is possible. What to do? Atopic dermatitis can't be prevented, but you can manage it so that your flare-ups are less severe, a.k.a. less itchy. If your scalp itchiness won't subside, see your dermatologist about the possibility of a medication that can help. How to stop an itchy scalp. The solution for your itchy scalp depends on the reasons for your itchy scalp, but treatments may include over-the-counter medicated shampoos. There are lots of OTC shampoos on the market, each designed to treat different causes of itchy scalp. But what kind you need depends on what condition you're dealing with. Be sure you're looking at the ingredient list to match it up with the issue you're having. Prescription Strength Shampoos If over-the-counter shampoos don't work, a dermatologist may prescribe you something stronger. Topical Medication Shampoos aren't the only answer. Dermatologists also sometimes prescribe medicated foams, ointments, and other forms of medication that are applied directly to your skin. Oral medication. Depending on the cause of your itchy scalp, you may need to take oral medication, pills, to tackle the issue once and for all. Just beware of trying any so-called home remedies without a doctor's go-ahead. They can be unhelpful at best and harmful at worst. So, to protect your skin and hair and tackle the problem quickly and efficiently, it's always best to make an appointment with a healthcare provider. This article was titled, Itchy Scalp, Eight Common Causes and How to Find Relief, by The Voice News Service, December 28, 2023. That's all the time we have for the African American Hour. My name is Rosemary Onward. Thank you for joining me.